This episode of the Disney Film Project is sponsored by touringplans.com. Head over to touringplans.com and use their tools to save yourself time and money when you are at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. You can use the Lines application on your mobile phone, use the crowd calendar to figure out which parks to hit which days, or use the Touring Plans to save time and money waiting in line. Touringplans.com is the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project Podcast. This is the show where we watch the films of the Walt Disney Company. We talk to you fine people about them, and we try to go through every single film uh, in some undetermined amount of time. I'm guessing it's going to take us about 25 years. I don't know. Stick with us. We'll find out. I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, and along with my friends, run DisneyFilmProject.com, where you can find blogs about all of the films that we talk about, as well as fun and exciting information about the Disney shorts and true life adventures and all that fun stuff. Uh, and joining me as always, we have our fine film buffs. First, there's Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is a blogger over at touringplans.com. He is chief technical officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com. He worked over at on the go and MCO.com. And I believe he actually created inspector gadget. Maybe he drives my time machine for me. Uh-huh. I knew there was something going on there. I knew it. I knew it. All right. Also, we are usually joined by Ms. Brianna Alessio, uh, but as those of you who are frequent listeners of the show know, she is hard at work trying to get some cash to move down to Florida, so she won't be joining us this evening, but you can check out her blogs on the films that we cover on the show over at DisneyFilmProject.com. Also joining us, we have our fine producer who selects the movies, for which I am never forgiving her uh, at this point, uh, Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who you can find on Twitter at CherylP3 or at about.me slash CherylP3. And Cheryl, seriously. Hey, it's better sooner than later. That's all I have to say. At least it will be done. Then you don't have to, then, then wait, then we may have, we, then we, I don't even think we have to talk about the director video sequel, Inspector Gadget 2. So just be glad about that. Yes, you are correct. (laughs) Maybe getting it out of the way would be good, because today we are talking about Inspector Gadget, the 1999 live-action film starring Matthew Broderick and Rupert Everett, uh, based on the 1983 cartoon series Inspector Gadget. The cartoon series is quite good and funny and silly. Yeah. The the movie (laughs) is a big old mess. Yeah, uh, so it's important to note that the movie is written by, well, the characters are characterized by the original creators of the animated series. Right? Did you know that? I I had a thought that yeah, that yeah. was the case. I did uh, not realize that, though. Yeah, Hayward, Chalapin, and Bianchi are the original creators of Inspector Gadget. And so the three of them are the, they made sure all the characters were written correctly. They didn't actually handle the story. I'm not damn. That's that's good for them. That's that's a mark in their yeah. favor. Um, it should be noted that one of the reasons that they allowed for the movie to be made was that the agreement was that they would it would be a prequel to the cartoon series. So it's actually intended to take place before anything you ever saw in any of the cartoons. Okay. 
I can buy that. That makes yep. sense. Yep. So, so it's that's why this is an origin story. They didn't want it to be a reboot of the cartoon. They wanted it to be a natural progression into the cartoon. Okay. Yep. I know. Did they did they want it to be terrible? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> the fact um, that you're not sure is 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 proof enough for me. So let's consider where we are and where this came from. Right? This is 1999. Right? It is be the movie, the production arm of Disney that is handling this movie is Caravan Pictures. There is no Caravan Pictures today, right? No, it's not. Nope. They are, whatever they had, they are now owned by Spyglass Entertainment, which is uh, part of MGM, right? I, well, no, yes. Uh, or it's independently uh, held and distributed by MGM. I think that's what – because the, uh, the guy who yeah, owns Spyglass yeah. is um, currently the CEO of MGM, I think, right? Tank? Hard to say. Uh, um, I think so. I yeah. think you're about that, but I'm not 100% okay. certain. Doing that off the top of my head. <laughs> um, so, now, it was done in conjunction with DIC Entertainment, which is the original creation company that did the, um, the animated series. Okay. Um, and, those, and Hayward, Chalapin, and Bianchi still own the rights to Inspector Gadget. It's their thing. Um, DIC doesn't exist anymore either. They're now part of Cookie Jar Group, or Cookie Gar Entertainment, or Cookie Jar. It's got like a million names. Um, so that's that. And, uh, you know, that's it. So they were, this was the very last movie that was made by Caravan Pictures. With good reason. Yes, and they were going out the door, basically. Okay. That, got, that, that does make sense. Yeah, okay. There's I, more to add as to why this movie is as uh, not good as it should be. Yes. Um, it is directed by a guy named David Kellogg. Do you know? What yeah, you know? let's talk about him because really, Mr. Yeah. Kellogg. Wait, you know what he wait, was? Wait, wait, do you meant cereal? He may be related to that family. It's a very big family, so I, I don't know. I didn't research that. But this, you know, what he was famous for at this time? Directing Cool as Ice. Yes, but most famous <laughs> for at this time, the Jerry Seinfeld American Express commercials were his biggest gig to date before this movie. But you mean besides Cool as Ice, the vanilla ice vehicle? Yes. <laughs> that he directed eight years earlier. Yes, that bombed in the theater. The huh. Th yeah. Funny that. <laughs> Funny how that works. <laughs> so, you know, Caravan Pictures, bleeding money, about to be sold off by Disney. Doesn't, you know... They spend a crazy amount of money on this movie, though, like every last penny they have, okay? And uh, they still don't get a good movie. I don't know. No, I mean, like for 1999, so they spent $90 million reportedly uh, on the movie. For this movie? Yeah. That's, that's bad. That's like, like that's somebody should have stormed the boardroom and been like, really, guys, this, that's what you can do? Yeah. For $90 million, you can do that? So let's start, first of all, with the fact that the movie itself, not counting the opening credits and the end uh, epilogues, you know, that happened during the credits, mm -hmm. the, the closing credits, the movie itself is an hour and two minutes. I counted. It's a 78 on Wikipedia. Right, but I'm saying if you take out the extra stuff. Yeah, credits are, credits are like nine minutes long, so yeah. You're right, it probably trims down a bit. Here's the thing. Um, so th this movie was severely hacked by executives. Um, okay, I can buy that, yeah. 
what what happened is is that there's actually there actually is a unreleased director's cut of this apparently, but I don't know how to get my hands on it. Nor do I really think I'm gonna spend the time to track it down. No, um, no, I don't think that's worth your time. But here's the thing: is um, more than thirty minutes were cut out of this film that should have been left in, and you know how they're presented to us in the epilogue. No, 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 no. At the end scenes. No, no, no. You know that scene where he's driving along inside the gadget mobile for the first time and he keeps having these little bubbles of things that went on that we didn't I see? I wondered about that. Those are, those are all stills from the cut scenes. That was their way of giving us the same material that was cut out of the movie in the movie. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, it was, and the 30 minutes was done within... The extra 30 minutes was cut out within the, like, the last like, you know, three months before the movie was actually in the canon in theaters. Okay. Which is way past the point of reopening the can. You know, so it's like just not good choices all around. Yeah, well, and the other thing is the ma- actually the main issue I have with the movie is it's trying to be it's trying to be an Inspector Gadget origin story. Mm-hmm. Which, which, first of all, I'm not sure any of us really needed. But I understand the creators wanting, want, you know, wanting to preserve the integrity of their silly cartoon that was on for two years. Yes. Which I love the cartoon. Don't get me wrong. But really, that's that's your main concern when you're making a big budget movie. Oh, don't forget the follow-on cartoon series Gadget Boy. Sorry. I would like to. Yeah, I know. But. I mean, let's be honest, Inspector Gadget is a knockoff of Inspector Clouseau. You're right. The guys who created Inspector Gadget don't disagree with that at all. Inspector Clouseau, along with Don Adams himself when he played Maxwell Smart, are two big inspirations for the character. Right. Okay? It's, it's like half the reason why they asked Don Adams to originally voice the character and why he did. Yeah, right? so my point being, like, the quote-unquote integrity of the character is not exactly like... You're not talking about Batman here. No. So for people who possibly don't know what Inspector Gadget is, the animated series, maybe we should explain the concept of that first. Before okay. We... Okay. So Inspector Gadget was an animated series about um, Inspector Gadget, the main character, who had no other name that's important, okay? And he was a worked for the Metro City Police Department under the auspices of Chief Quimby, Okay who did not wear police uniform like he does in this movie. Um, and what he would do is he would, every episode would start out pretty much the same way. His gadget would get his assignment from the chief, which consisted of a letter. He'd get it in the chief's office, and the end of the letter would say this letter is about to self-destruct, and he wouldn't hear that. He'd crumple it up and throw it at the chief, and the chief would explode. Every single episode, right, for two yes, years. And, and that's not ripping off anything like Mission Impossible. No. In fact, it was making fun of Mission Impossible. That was their that was their whole gig. They 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 never ever said they weren't trying to do everything we're saying. Okay. Yes, exactly true. And they did it great. I mean, they they did it in the same vein that like Danger Mouse did it on British television, right? Yep, they same, sure did. Same same level of humor, same in your face, same. Yes, we're doing this, and we're just gonna make f- have fun with it. And they did, and they did a great job. Um, so what would happen is, is that he was a nebbish, like the characters that he's based on, and not really good at his job. He has a gadget mobile, just like in this movie, but it's not at all like this movie. It's not artificial intelligence. It's not a big, long, white Lincoln thingy. It's a, it's a 
hatchback Marta, which is like a French car. And uh, it, it just, he just drives it around and has some things on it like he does. And he's got all these gadgets. That's why he's Inspector Gadget, right? He's got a helicopter hat. He's got a flower that comes out of his head. He's got what's supposed to be a flamethrower arm, but it really shoots like water or, you know, and on and on and on in the animated series. And uh, he's got his niece, Penny, and his dog or her dog, Brain, right? And the thing is, is while he's a nebbish and really not capable of solving crimes, um, they are kind of in like a Scooby-Doo fashion, so they kind of all together battle Dr. Claw, who you never see, and we'll get to that in a minute because that was a big deal in this movie. Um, And Dr. Claw is the bad guy, and Penny and Brain actually always defeat Dr. Claw, and Dr. Claw also a nebbish because he never realizes that his real enemy is Penny and Brain. He only ever realizes that his enemy is Inspector Gadget, who appears to be defeating him. Correct. Which is – this is a key distinction, people. I want you folks to understand that – so I'm assuming, Todd, you watched this show, right, when it was originally on or in syndication, correct? Yes. High school for okay. me, yes. Okay. I watched it when, when it was originally on. So this is a key thing. If I'm going to watch something that's Inspector Gadget, Penny and Brain are the real brains of the operation, and they're the ones solving the crimes. Mm-hmm. I just want people to remember that before we start talking about the plot of the movie. Yeah. So stick a pin in that. We'll come back to it. Understand going into this also that we're not the only people who didn't like this movie. I mean, I like this movie, but I don't, I don't hate this movie, and I don't super love it either. It's just kind of there. Like if it's in and it's on, I'll sit and I'll watch it, but I don't feel like I have to finish it kind of thing. You know, I can get yeah, in, I can get uh, out. Yeah, um, you're, you, you like it way more than me. That, that's probably true. Um, that's fine. It was, there was a lot of controversy surrounding this also, okay? And what I mean by, and I mean fan controversy, not like lawyers or anything like that, because, like I mentioned earlier, one of the key things about the animated series is that you never knew Inspector Gadget by any name other than Inspector Gadget, okay? Yes, and And, Claw. And and Claw was not Claw, he was Dr. Claw. Yes. Right? And... So it's important, and you never saw anything but Dr. Claw's hand, okay? That was the claw, not even his regular hand, okay? And, um, he, and his hand would always be controlling stuff, always be doing stuff, or shaking, I'll get you next time, Gadget, next time, because that was his catchphrase. And so people were very upset about these two points, because like, like Ryan said, is people – Matthew Broderick – was kind of sort of coming down on his career for a little bit. Rupert Everett was at the top of his career right before this movie. I mean, there's, there's no right. kidding there. I mean, he was, he was on his game, and this movie basically killed his game. Okay. And ha- he has never recovered. No, he's never recovered from this movie. I absolutely agree. Um, every, you know, it, but everything he makes up until this point is awesome, just so you know. And, and, and might I add that based on his performance in this movie... He should not have recovered. <laughs> His performance is atrocious, but we'll get to that. Wait, I have to disagree. You can disagree all you want. I, it's, it's, it's awful. I don't really think Rupert Everett went into this intending to do a, do a bad job acting. I think he thought he was doing a good job acting. But remember in the Home on the Range episode, what I said about uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. acting as a uh, out of caricature of himself as a horse. 
I think you have here, you have Rupert Everett acting at a caricature of himself as a man with one hand who's a caricature of a ton of bad guys from James Bond movies. And a caricature of Rupert Everett. Yes, that's what I mean, a caricature of himself, yes. Yeah, I was watching this seriously going, like, what is he doing? Let's talk about the plot, and I can tell you the exact scenes, because sure. he, he just, he acts, he's not menacing, he's not funny, he's just basically making fun of his own life, is what it felt like to me. Like, like you said, a caricature of himself, I, I just, I'm like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> just stop. <laughs> I, I have a question, though. Had the movie had the original cast... What do you think? It, do you think it would have been better? Original cast meaning. Okay, so uh, Inspector Gadget was originally supposed to be Brendan Fraser. Okay. Doctor Claw was originally supposed to be Tim Curry, and Penny was originally supposed to be Lindsay Lohan. Ouch. Other, other than Brendan Fraser, that would have been better. I di- I disagree. I don't think I don't think Lindsay Lohan would have been a good Penny. Well, so she turned it down because she was doing the parent trap. And there would have been conflict. And Brendan Fraser, you know what Disney movie he took to do this instead of doing this? George of the Jungle. George of the Jungle. So, you know, I'm thinking, well, not really a step up. No. (laughs) But but I didn't have a problem with Matthew Broderick as Inspector Gadget. I felt like he played Inspector Gadget fine. He played both characters he plays fine. Yes. He looked fine. Like, I didn't have any issue with, with Matthew Broderick and his portrayal of the character. What he was given to do is a whole different story, but I didn't have any problem. And Michelle Trachtenberg, as Penny, I thought she was fine. She's just not in the movie. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Except to she's get evidence like, at the end. Yeah, she's there for like five minutes. Yeah, she's in for like three scenes. Yeah. Which, again, taking the pin out of it, not what the original premise was all about. You know what I'm saying? Yes. No, I right. agree. Yeah, this is an origin movie, right? So dun, we open with John Brown. So immediately we name Inspector Gadget. Yes. We've immediately broken with the show. Okay? That tells you where we're going with this. But we open with him at, in a sequence as a police officer, and he's doing all sorts of you know, amazing things like throwing a dog up in the air and catching it and you know, pulling six children out of the way of a school bus and all this kind of stuff. And it, at the very end, you realize that it's a dream, and he's getting licked on the face by Brain. Yes. So he wakes up, and he, is, um, he has to go to work. Penny and Brain are, are there in his, in his house. And, you know, he's sending them off to school, but he can't go for career day because he wants to be a cop, and he's not. He's just a security guard. Right. Right. So up until this point, two minutes in, I'm okay. Yeah, I mean, you you learn a lot about the character very quickly, and all of it's acceptable. Yes. And then we get – so then we find out that the – where he's going – which is the security lab, and we see Brenda Bradford, played by Jolie Fisher, and her father, and they're trying to figure out how to move this electronic foot. Right? And they can't get it to work. And it's called, it's called the gadget program, so we kind of know where it's going, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but her father's got the helmet on that you've seen. Like, I think it's the standard mind control helmet from every movie I've ever seen. Yes, which is usually a colander turned upside down with things sticking out of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I believe they use this exact same helmet in the Muppet movie. In, in uh, Back to the Future, it's like what Emmett Brown is wearing when he w- opens the door. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but they can't figure out how to get this thing to move. And it's not until her father starts tapping his foot instead of concentrating and just kind of mindlessly tapping his foot that the foot, the mechanical foot, starts to move. Yes. So they, what they determine from this is that it's not the head, it's not you know anything like that that gets the foot to move, it's the heart. Now, how they determine that from him tapping his foot absentmindedly, I don't know. Right. I, I had a problem with this, too, because she says it's by force of will, not force of thought, right? But I'm pretty sure willpower is based in part on thought, right? I mean, like, didn't Green yeah. Lantern teach us that? Well, not the, not the terrible movie, but the comic book, yes. No, but that's like, let's just say that's probably the worst superhero movie ever, and then move on. And <laughs> oh, now we could, we could get into fights about that one. It's definitely near the bottom, but we'll see. Okay. <laughs> there, there have been some bad superhero movies. I yeah. would, I would put the uh, the writer of this film, or one of the writers, Mr. Zach Penn, who is our Avengers connection, uh, who wrote the original screenplay for uh, Avengers. Yeah. Uh, that Joss Whedon then summarily threw out, as we discussed in that podcast. <laughs> uh, I would, I would put his his film X Three: The Last Stand as much worse than Green Lantern. Yeah. I would actually... I would say that Inspector Gadget, if you take him as being a superhero, this is a better movie than the Green Lantern movie. Uh, no. Yes. I can't can't go there with that. And I despise the Green Lantern movie. I didn't think it was very good, but this... This actively made me want to turn off the television. And that never happens with me. I just love movies, obviously. That's why we do this show. I love to watch movies, even bad ones. I can find something from this. I was just like, it was an hour and whatever long, like it's 78 minutes long, but it's really like an hour and 10 minutes ish or so without all the credits and stuff. And I thought it was too long. Uh, The only movie I've ever walked out of is Godzilla 1985. Uh, I can't remember if I've walked out of a movie. Yeah. I probably should have. You you know why I walked out of that movie? Godzilla is not a seagull. That's all I'm saying. So they, they get the foot to move, and they're being spied on by multimillionaire tycoon Rupert Everett, who is named as Sanford Skolex. He's not been re- even revealed at this point. None of that's even revealed up until this point. You're right. That's a good point. That is a very good point. Because up until this point, we just see him stroking the cat like he did in the movie. And in, in the cartoon, hand, rather. moving a little controller thing. Correct. Which is the way Claw was always portrayed in in the cartoons. Yes. So it's okay. We're happy at this point. Happy is a strong word. But we get so we get John going to the the facility because he's a security guard and he wants to talk to Brenda, Jolie Fisher's character, because yes. he has a little crush on her. So he chases after her, talks to her for a second, you know, tries to you know make nice with her, that sort of a thing. Not working very well because he's very awkward. Uh, which she's humming, the theme, she's humming the original theme song at this point too. Yes, which is sort of an unnecessary 
drop in, but it's cute. Yes. And so at that time, though, uh, the van that uh, Claw is controlling, he crashes it into the side of the building. They get out and blow and shoot the father, take the foot, and zoom off. But the big G-chip falls on the floor. Conveniently. Yes. There's a lot and there's a lot of that in this movie. Like conveniently this happened. Right. So again, we're talking about cartoon writers writing a live action movie. Let's continue. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, very true. But so tonally they play it as a cartoon, but then they try to like you know what I mean? Like they don't even accomplish the campiness of it. If that makes sense. No, cuz I mean it's it's they try. Matthew Broderick really tries. Yes, I agree. I think he actually does a, a good job with performance, like I said. But the rest of them, like like Rupert Everett, I think he was trying to go over the top, but I don't know where he ended up with his performance. And Jolie Fisher, I don't think she actually showed up for the movie. I think they just CGI'd her in or something, because, <laughs> wow, was she bad. And, and Dabney Coleman as Chief Quimby, like, he just kind of came in and read a couple lines and then took a break. Yeah. He, he, anyway. delivered, them, he delivered them like Slap Maxwell. Yes, he did. Very, very much so. He be really far from this movie. Oh, wait till you get to ratings, Cheryl. I have unprecedented numbers for this one. But anyway. Uh, so, they, they, they take off in the van, and John has to chase after him because mm-hmm. that's what he does. Uh, and we get the the worst product placement you'll ever see in a movie. The Yahoo sign? Yes. <laughs> did that? That was horrible. Not only that, they did the Yahoo yodel as it fell. That's my point. Like, it's, it's not contextual to anything in the movie. It's not like there's a yodeling guy standing there doing the yodel that they could make fun of the fact that they were putting this obvious product placement in there. <laughs> they just, like, the, the billboard, the, a giant Yahoo billboard falls onto one of the cars, and they do the, the, the Yahoo yodel that was so big 13 years ago. That nobody remembers. <laughs> yeah, nobody remembers now. But I'm like, really? Like, there's no explanation for it. It's just like, hey, look at this big commercial. Who thought that was a good idea? Uh, I, you know, it might have made them part of that $90 million to spend, to be fair. I'm guessing one of the ad executives at Yahoo thought it was a really good idea. <laughs> well, and if you, were, if, if you were that ad exec, Cheryl, you should get a raise for this. Because you want to talk about being, like, right in the middle of the movie and people can't avoid your ad? I mean, bravo to that guy. No yeah. kidding, because the sign takes, like, ten minutes to fall. Yeah, <laughs> I'm get. I'm that's why. I'm, that's why. If I had a hazard a guess, that's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing they were told Yahoo by Yahoo. We want it here to here, and that's what we want, and that's what that's what we're gonna get. Honestly, for a few million dollars, if I was making a movie, Yahoo could put a sign in it and yodel all they wanted. <laughs> well, and it's and then and then as if you didn't get it, you know, John Brown comes out and goes, "Oh, look, the Yahoo billboard fell on them." <laughs> That's right. Like, and please step, out from the, please step out from under the Yahoo yeah. billboard. That's right. Yeah. He does actually say that. <laughs> yeah. 
Which, like, which then reminds me of Todd's favorite line about step out of the donut. That's actually Ryan's favorite line. That's right. Oh, sorry. That's okay, because that's a great line. And that's a, and I'm going to go visit that donut, by the way, while I'm in California. But that's a whole other thing. I want to see you sitting in it. <laughs> I, I think they would frown on that, but we'll really? see. Really? I think they could charge $5 for five minutes to, for people to do that. I think they really should. <laughs> I think they definitely could. Uh, but they the, can the, even hire Nick Fury lookalike to tell people to step out of it. Yes, I love this idea. I think we should do this. <laughs> I'll get the giant donut. You know, what, you know what we do? We get Emily to get a giant donut to put... We're in front of where the like like where the sign is for yes Emily can make us a giant donut and people can pay us five dollars to sit in it. I love this idea. This is perfect. I love Nick, it. Nick Fury auditions start perfectly. As long as there's no yodeling, I'm good. <laughs> wow, yeah, this is like two movies with yodeling too close together. Wow. <laughs> It really is, yeah. Yodeling, I think, I think what we've learned is that yodeling signifies a movie that's not going to be very good. <laughs> yodeling is an indicator. Okay, yes. writing that down. As is Zach Penn. <laughs> I like that pointed out, too. So, but the big problem in the car crash is John was driving his, his beloved Chevette, right? And the Chevette, he had a bowling ball in the Chevette. And when the crash happens, it flies up into the air... And lands in Claw's limo and crushes his hand. His Actually, left Claw hand. does it to himself because he's because the car doesn't just blow up until he throws like an exploding cigar at it. This is very true. Yes, but yes. So at this moment, you have their origin point, right? This is this is conceptually, in terms of comic books, it's not bad. It's how oh. it's how Lex Luthor and Superman meet, right? Same idea. Correct. Right? You know, so um, I'm not going to get into that, folks. You can look that up. And <laughs> it's also kind of like the Batman and Joker. Cause, like um, Batman and Joker, that's right. Batman on one of his first missions accidentally knocks the, the guy into the, the red hood, right? The red hood into the uh, vat of uh, chemicals and boom. Yep, depending on which continuity you're, you're looking at. Yes, exactly. We have the origin at this point. Right, the, the Inspector Gadget origin is built because Brenda sees John, you know, blown up. Basically, rushes him to the hospital and rebuilds him as Inspector Gadget. So this is another part that I didn't understand because yes, her motivations we, are odd. Well, not only that, her motivations are completely odd. She's ostensibly trying to save him, but the acting performance doesn't really get that part across. But I was willing to go with that. I mean, that made sense, She's right? Guilty. They're trying to save his life. She feels guilty. I guess. Right. Can, I, can I point out that they never have a funeral for her father in this movie? Or really mention it until the Maybe very end? Maybe he was Jewish. Here we go. <laughs> Could be. Did, Could by be. the way, did, did you catch that when Penny and Breen go into the room, there's a Three Stooges reference? I did not. Yeah, so over over the intercom, they go paging Doctor Howard, paging Doctor Fine, paging Doctor Howard. Ah, uh, nice. So, I like it. Another movie that looks like like a gem that would that thinkers will never have to review. Uh, absolutely, 
Yes. But but so here's the thing I don't understand about Inspector Gadget, right? So at the beginning of the movie we saw the foot that had to be moved independently by the you know, the brain helmet thing that we talked about. Yes. And it was a complete electronic foot. Mm-hmm. It was not put inside of a person foot. I yeah, I don't know. It was uh it was a, they mentioned androids and then they mentioned cyborgs and they make a couple of six million dollar man jokes in the next few scenes and I think they were just all over the place with this. Okay, I wanna go back before we go forward with things and stuff, I want to go back and let's start the hospital scene. Yeah. Because plenty of brain come and why does like I know she's under 18, so she probably couldn't sign as Mexican. But yeah. who needs of authority to do all this surgery? Thank you, Cheryl. They take his head off? Right. <laughs> and stuff like that. To make exactly. Him yeah, I mean, it wasn't like he's comatose. Cause no, they, they, I mean, he was, you know, responsive. He was yeah. just never going to move again and probably going to be staying like that forever. Right. I am so with you. Like, who gave them permission to do this to this poor man? It could have easily been fixed with an, easily, an easy line drop by Penny that said to Brenda, Penny and Brenda have a scene. It could be, oh, I got Mom to sign the papers. Here, and gave Brenda the, Brenda the papers. And then we would have at least had that part of it. I don't think it matters. Like I said, it's a cartoon, movie one, and two, they just did what they did in RoboCop and in the original Six Million Dollar Man, is they took the guy who was mostly dead and made him mostly alive. But he wasn't dead? What? He wasn't dead! I said mostly dead. He wasn't mostly dead! I have seen The Princess Bride. That is mostly dead. Okay, Todd, uh, yes, I will agree he's mostly dead, but... Like, I I still have to say, like, and I know they're doing the same thing they do in other movies, and I know it's a cartoon, but, like, if it stood out that much to Cheryl and I, who are generally willing to let things like that go, like, it, it, I, I think it would have stood, stood out to other people in the audience, too. I guess. I don't know. You have, but the town is not, is, it's the mayor. Just except the mayor decided that it was a thing to do and let it. Yeah. Right. Well, the ma- the mayor played by Sherry O'Terry, by the way, I thought she was funny because she was doing her typical Sherry O'Terry thing, which I like. I uh-huh. think she's funny. So, but it wasn't like she was playing a different character. She was just playing the same character she plays in everything she's ever in. But they have a scene coming up where they're talk where she's talking, 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 and then she offhandedly insults Chief Quimby. Yes. Right. <laughs> Uh, to say I'm paying attention, don't think I'm not, you know. But anyway, so so we get Inspector Gadget, right? That's the bottom line. He he gets built, uh, and they then we get get our training montage. Oh, no, no, you don't forget that. Um, you get to see claw, you get to see um, Skolnick there get his claw. Oh yeah, that's true. That yes. does come before the training montage. Yeah, because we get it's Sanford Skull, Alexis Revealed, that's the guy uh that Rupert Everett's playing who is who was uh playing Claw but unnamed in the beginning of the movie. Now he actually has a claw that his assistant Kramer, played by Andy Dick. Yes. Uh, him. A very understated Andy Dick, I might add. 
I yeah, knowing Andy Dick, yeah, this was not. Uh, I, but he was Andy Dick literally playing Kramer from Seinfeld as a mad scientist guy. Yes, I I I can see that. It's it was bizarre. Yeah, he it, it was a little weird seeing Andy Dick like be calm and you know rational in a in a movie. Like he was he's almost the straight man except for a couple of outbursts. The extra hands are are a little funny. Yes, this is true. This is true. Uh, but he built he built a mechanical claw for Skolex, and Skolex decides to nickname himself Claw. But again, like in this scene, his performance is so over the top, like and not in a good way. Like you can do over the top and try to be campy and funny and wink at the camera sort of a thing. But he's not winking at the camera. He's just like flat out going up, grabbing it and sticking his face into it. Uh, but OK, so we get that. And then we get the, the training montage as well. Right which is Inspector Gadget learning how to do the things that he's doing, including a scene with the meditation guru that I'm not sure should have been in this movie. Yeah, um, that's what I wrote myself. Well, I said he's learning to grab some dot, 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 and we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, like he's supposed to reach, like focus and reach out and grab an object that's in front of the meditation guru and let's just say he grabs something else instead, and the poor man ends up in the hospital. Why was he blindfolded? I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know what the point of that scene was, except no. to show us that he can't use his powers properly. Which is a staple of Inspector Gadget, yeah. if you've seen the cartoon. Also, by the way, we also get um, a point where we learn um, his weakness, which is the chip that fell out earlier, right, is now – is what – it apparently allows him his brain to control his body his uh, let's call it his presumed weakness well yes i agree with that but up until now that's all we know is that we're trusting that so. agreed agreed uh it's it's just weird i mean like like the whole training sequence like they give him a manual uh <laughs> brenda gives him a manual he looks at the first two pages and and Puts the manual shut because he's trying to flirt with her. Yeah. I got and, nothing. And, and, and then we get introduced to the gadget mobile. Definitely voiced a departure by, from the show. Voiced by D.L. Hughley. So I guess the gadget mobile is supposed to be competent in this? Confident? What do you mean? Co- competent. Competent, oh, competent, as in alive. Oh, yeah, I I don't know. It's kind of a strange ad. Kind of, yes. Yeah. Very much so. Because, the, like, he gets in the gadget mobile and he goes out, like, on patrol. The gadget mobile just takes off and, he, you know, Inspector Gadget gets out because the gadget mobile says, oh, those two guys are, you know, you need to take care of them. And he thinks they're trying to get into their car that they've lost their keys for, which, of course, they're trying to steal the car. Right. That part I thought they did okay. Like, that was true to the cartoon. Right? It's two guys in prison jumpsuits, and he's like, oh, you work at the prison. Like, right. that's Inspector Gadget right Except there. it would have been brain solving the problem, not the car. Exactly. But, but at this point, Penny and Brain have just kind of disappeared. <laughs> yes, they have. 
because apparently they're not important anymore until the very end. I'm I'm not really sure. I I don't know. Like I said, it's 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 a it's a strange ad because it takes away from the other characters, like we're getting to. So yeah, and and so the gadget mobile actually is the one who catches the criminals once he figures everything out and they run away. Well, one of them. Gadget one, that's true. Gadget acc- accidentally catches the other guy. That's that's very true. And then he gets all this press, and everyone starts to love Inspector Gadget because, I mean, let's face it, he can pop flowers out of his hat and all this other kind of stuff. And that's when we get to see him doing all these other things that Todd referred to that's apparently lost footage, like rescuing cats and things like that. Uh, except we see them on the front pages of newspapers or in stills or, you know, like it's a montage sort of a thing. Uh, but they don't let him actually go out and do anything. He's just, you know, rescuing kittens and serving as a crossing guard and stuff like that. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's it's true. Um, and at this point, um, Claw or Sandy or whatever, um, we, we learned that he um, – was once a very large gentleman when he was 19 and became a billionaire. Right, which I had a real problem with how this played out, but go ahead. I, Me too, because I don't even understand what it has to do anything with. No, and, and, and the fact is, like, and, and I'm not, I was, you know, I've been poking fun at his performance, and his performance is silly and over the top and not very good, but I thought this part of the character was just fl- flat out mean, the way that they treated it in the movie. Yeah, it, it, what was the point? I, I, don't, I agree. I just don't understand why it was there or what it had to do with the plot or why even add it. It didn't, it didn't add anything. No. Okay. I have a theory. A theory. Dun-dun! Cheryl Theory, News at 11. Um, because they start talking about um, eventually we'll get to Robo Brenda. Okay. So I'm guessing that this was not mean and not meant to jab at him, which it did, but to kind of give him a backstory as to why he was so infa- infatuated with Brenda. Right, and I get that. Where I guess where I'm coming from is if you're going to have the motivation of the character, and I think that's what they were trying to do, I agree with you, but if you're going to have the motivation of the character be like he used to be very fat and he lost a lot of weight and he got in shape, and he's trying to, you know, to woo Brenda. Like you, you should not then treat that the fact that he lost all that weight as a negative thing, and and him be such an evil character. But so then, why do it for the villain? You know what I'm saying? Like, and then at the very end, when he's under stress and all this kind of stuff, and she says it's okay if you were fat, he's like, well, I'm just going to eat everything in sight. I was I was flabbergasted by that. I cannot believe they would do that. I mean, like, I felt like real, and I'm not joking. I felt like they were making fun of fat people. There's no drive towards either thing either. Right? Yeah, that's that's the thing. There's there's no there's no motivation for having lost the weight, like you said. There's also nothing really in the plot about his purported love of Brenda, other than that. There's these little things that basically they never take the time to connect. You know, he knew her. He he goes after her at the gala, you know, he wants her to work with him so she'll be close. He makes a robot a duplicate of her. I, but I don't get why that stuff matters because none of that was necessary for the movie. 
No, no. And that's where that's the point at which when they started getting into that stuff, that's the point at where it went from, you know, silly and dumb and not very good to actually offending me. Okay. But that's just me. Yeah. And that's why I, that's why I didn't get into it earlier, but that's why I really dislike this because I'm like, you know, <laughs> I can understand if you want to portray that story in some way, but this is not the way to do it. But anyway, or you tell a better story about it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but this being his motivation, when they go to uh, Gadget and Brenda go to a party uh, celebrating, you know, the debut of Inspector Gadget, that sort of thing. Skolex shows up and uh, interrupts the dance between Gadget and Brenda and hires her to go work at his company. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, of course, leads to Inspector Gadget being very downtrodden and upset. Yes. And so and, he goes and rescues cats from trees. Yeah, for whatever reason. Um, but when he finally decides that he wants to go and, and he confronts the chief, uh, Chief Quimby, Quimby, of course, just makes fun of him like he never did in the cartoon show uh, and dismisses him with Dabney Coleman delivering his, his great line deliveries as he does in this movie. Yeah, no, he did. He d- I mean, for the five lines he has, they're all delivered well. Well, they're delivered Dabney Coleman style. Yeah, which is always right? well. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of folks in this movie like just playing the same characters that they play in other movies. Roger Ebert made this point in his review of the movie when it came out is that he said there's just a lot of a lot of really good talent being completely wasted in this movie. Yeah. But I think I think that was kind of what they were going for. Like Sherry O'Terry we've mentioned, Dabney Coleman we mentioned. Like I think they hired them specifically to fit the Sherry O'Terry role in the movie, you know what I mean? Or the Dabney Coleman role. Like they wrote the characters to do the exact things that they, that those actors do rather than having them come in and act. Yeah. And a lot of those lookalikes too, um, because Dabney Coleman does look a lot like Inspector Quimby. That's true. That's very true. So, um, I, I know, so that may have been why they, you know, again, Paid the money for Dabney Coleman because they said, "Oh, we really just want the lookalike factor here. We don't want to really, you know, care what you know, he says or does." Yeah, could be. It's crazy though because he Skolex then starts building his own gadget for reasons that we don't really understand, right? Because he. Like why? Why does he need to destroy Inspector Gadget? What what goal does he have for doing that? Right. Well, he steals. We find out he's still he's stolen Brenda's files because she came to work with him, right? Yes. Okay. And then you're right. They activate this evil, completely android version of Gadget, but but they make him look like Gadget. So his evil plan is to discredit the superhero with the evil Bizarro copy. Yes. Right. But but why? To what end? I I don't know. But can we talk about Chekhov's gun? Chekhov's gun. Yes. Oh Chek- yes, please. Yes, go yes, ahead. Okay. It's very so. Um, I'll, there is Anton Chekhov said about writing. Right, is that if in chapter three you put a gun, right, then in chapter five make sure you use the gun. Right, that kind of thing. So, exactly. um, 
so what happens in this movie is that the tarantulas you see in the chest of the evil uh, robo gadget being when he's being activated is the Chekhov's gun because it gets used later on in the movie when you think Correct. it's just a throwaway item at this point. Well, and to be fair, even later in the movie, it's sort of a throwaway item. But it gets used. This is true. It does get used. Yes, so John, because he's been made fun of, has to go and investigate some case, and he decides to investigate Brenda's father's murder, which apparently no one else is concerned with at this point. Right. Like I said, there's no funeral. (laughs) She's moved on. Like, what, three days later, she's good, she's working for Skull X, life is good for her. But Gadget has to take care of it. He feels like he could win her affections or win her back from Skull X, which she's not even really interested in Skull X. So I'm not sure how that's going to work for him, but, you know, whatever. Uh, He investigates and he finds, like Todd said, a little chip or something from the scene that has SI on it. Oh, Uh, Early in the movie, Quimby mentions that the only thing they recovered from the crime scene was a piece of metal. Yes. For what reason, we don't know. No. Until now. Because C means yes. Yes. Because it says S-I on it. And Gadget has his Spanish translator translate it to yes. Until eventually he figures out that it means Skolex Industries. Yes. Which C. 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 <laughs> Another movie. That's that's my advice to you. See, nice, <laughs> nice. At, at this point, Robo Gadget has already started his rampage. Yes, and and speaking of offensive um, rampages, I know it's a little later, but when he goes on his Godzilla esque rampage through the city, yeah, and the Japanese guy says, "This is why I left Tokyo." Yeah, there's a way to do that joke, and that was not it. I do find it ironic that Matthew Broderick would later star in a Godzilla movie. Yeah, well. <laughs> Which was also bad, but that's a whole other story. So Inspector Gadget goes to investigate Skolex uh, and tries to retrieve the foot, because that apparently would be the evidence that he's created RoboGadget, even though he doesn't know that he's created RoboGadget at this point. It would also be the evidence that he committed the murder, I guess. Yeah, that's why he okay. the murder. Right. M- meanwhile, Brenda meets Robo Brenda, which is completely unnecessary. Yes, I, I agree. It's icky. It's very icky. <laughs> like, like Skolex basically has created a Brenda to serve as his paramour, his shall we Bre- say, as his Brenda. And first <laughs> of all, we never see Robo Brenda and Skolex in the room together. No. That's true. She's programmed to be a cheerleader. Right? Yes, which is disturbing in, in and of itself. And she falls off the roof right after giving her a critical plot point of, oh, he has this foot thing, which then Brenda realizes that Skolex is the bad guy. Right. So she's really just a MacGuffin, and not even like a MacGuffin. She's really like a deus ex machina. Just there to say this one line and, dis- and then fall and off. And disappear, the- yeah, and be in the credits. So she's there to creep us out and say the bad line. Let me put that. I like yes. She's there for creep factor and lineness. Yes. But so meanwhile, back at the Ponderosa, Inspector Gadget's been captured because he sets off an alarm, uh, the audio alarm, while trying to retrieve the foot, and Claw captures him, basically dismantles him, 
uh, pulls the chip that Todd mentioned earlier that's his weakness, pulls it out, and then throws him in the junkyard. Oh, and we learn that apparently Claw's motivation is that he intends to sell robo-gadgets to the government? Yes, he's, he's, he is apparently a precursor to Justin Hammer from Iron Man 2. Yes. Maybe Zach Penn sold the rights to the idea. I don't know. Can we... So they throw him in the junkyard. Brenda figures out what's going on after her meeting with Robo Brenda. Penny shows up out of nowhere with Brenda in the Gadgetmobile, and they're searching for him. They find him in the junkyard. And apparently the big deal is, you know, with this chip, that's his weakness. Right, Todd? No. He can't, big... he can't move without the chip. Right, Todd? No, because he, of course not. No, no, he's dead. The movie's over. They're rolling the credits. No, wait. Brenda kisses him, and he wakes up like like Snow White. What? Yes, this happens. So they make a very big deal of the chip, yet it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I get where they were going with this. I just think that they made the connection poorly. I mean, the idea is that what the, it goes back to what they said in the beginning of the movie, right? Is the machinery that she's put into his body is not actually controlled by the chip. It's actually controlled by heart, right? And because he is actually – because he's the best portrayed character in the movie, he actually has a lot of heart because he really at his core just wants to be a policeman and help people, right? Yes. So – and that's the point they're trying to make, but they never – do any sort of connection like that. You just have to realize that that's what they're trying to do. You have to and connect they, the dots yourself, kids. Yes, that's which right. you should never have to do in a movie. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that, oh. but in a movie like this... Well, okay, there's no reveal. This is not how you reveal, right? Um, Absolutely. Okay, when you have to... When you, make connect, when you connect the dots yourself, right, like in Inception... Don't see this movie, kids. Um, when you connect the dots yourself, right... And you realize you jump to the same con- the right conclusion. You're great. The reveal matches what you thought out, or it doesn't, and you learn the actual reveal. But there's no, there are no dots to connect. That's the problem. That should have been like you should have been realizing it all along, and there's nothing to bring you there because apparently they cut it out of the movie. Exactly. So that leads us to the big climax of the movie, which is um, Inspector Gadget fighting Robo Gadget for what seems like half an hour. But it's really only about ten minutes of footage, right? But it's a long—I mean, it's a long fight. I mean, again, considering the movie is about an hour and ten minutes, ten minutes of a fight is long. The limo thing is so bizarre—that part of this fight. Yes, where where Robo Gadget and and um, Claw are sitting in the back of the of the vehicle, laughing the entire time. That's all they're doing. Yeah, while Inspector Gadget is trying to chase them down. I, yeah, and they're I, just laughing at him right. for, for whatever reason. Though I am glad you got to see the extend the legs and the running because that's something he actually did in the animated series, right? So, Right. I kind of enjoy that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and so we get the big fight between Robo Gadget and, and Inspector Gadget. Meanwhile, Skolex is over trying to escape with Brenda once he finally once Inspector Gadget finally defeats Robo Gadget by pulling a pin out of the back of his neck which makes Robo Gadget's head fall off which seems incredibly easy after a 10 minute fight but frankly gentlemen, I was I was grateful for that gentlemen you have forgotten the scene yes 
can can I ask a question about this scene that I that I know we forgot? Uh, so Brenda goes and crashes into the limo, right? Yes. And instead of the Gadgetmobile having airbags, it has Skittles. Yeah, well, it has again amazing product placement everywhere because in the in the Gadgetmobile you can see Coke, Sprite, Mellow Yellow, Skittles, and M and M's as options. I, I know, but it's like it's like. I read that the reports that it's like more than 150,000 Skittles that they dumped in the car for, for that scene. And I'm thinking, though, but she's a scientist. Where were the airbags? Right? I don't know. They make, they make a point that it's a Disney movie, and they call out the seatbelt buckling. Because they, they have to by law. And, because they have to by law. And then they have a car crash and don't have airbags. And and let's point out too that when uh, Penny and Brenda are driving around in the car, um, or, or excuse me, Inspector Gadget and Penny are driving around in the car, and Penny's getting down to the music, no seatbelts. No. So Penny goes back to the building and starts talking with the misunderstood bad guy, who's flushing the foot down the toilet, or attempting to. Well, yes, I I realize that he's not very bright. No, he's not very bright, and he's not very good at his job. No. <laughs> I don't know what else to say there. <laughs> I don't think there is anything to say. <laughs> that's what he is. Yeah, that's pretty much his character right there in a nutshell. Not very bright, not good at his job. Done. Yes. Um, but once, once, we, once we get that taken care of, and we, we, you basically can infer that Penny is going to win him over. Uh, we get... Inspector Gadget feeding Robo Gadget, and then he engages the Gadget Chopper back to Chekhov's gun, something that we talked about earlier in the manual, but he didn't actually do. Yep, that's right, they do that, right. And the, yeah, and the tarantula gets used just before he beats him, too, so... Correct. Uh, and he flies over to Skolex, and then we get him, you know, against the helicopter that Skolex is flying. We have the Gadget Copter, and Gadget gets picked up on the leg of the copter, which, might I say, Skolex is probably the best helicopter pilot I've seen in any movie. I know. Amazing. And all piloted with a claw. Right. Uh, and it's not until Inspector Gadget takes out a pen. Now, mind you, he has more gadgets than anybody knows. Yes. But he takes out a pen, dismantles the pen, manages to launch the pen into the helicopter cockpit which hits the close button on the claw and crushes the joystick for the helicopter. I have a question. Yes, please. So, so it's, it's a pen, right? It's a pushy pen, and it's not because um, it has to, because the point is it has a spring, right? That's, I assume so, yes. Right. And, but it comes out of his finger, right? So how does his finger bend? I, I got nothing for you. Yeah, and we can continue now. Yeah. Uh, he manages to do that. That causes the helicopter to go out of control. Brenda and Inspector Gadget jump off the helicopter, and he can't think of anything to get them to land safely until he finally goes go go because gadget. He never aerosol. Yeah, very very true. Yes. Uh, until he finally says go go gadget parasol. Yes. I, I have a question here too. So, okay, he had to do this because the gadget copter was destroyed, but Brenda is with him, right? So why doesn't she – and she wrote the manual. She built him. Why doesn't she tell him the right word to use? I, I can't answer that question. Okay, continue then. All right. <laughs> uh, so they manage to crash land, and as soon as they fall, the parachute comes out, even though he doesn't say go, go, gadget, parachute. 
Yeah. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so Skolex comes up and gets captured by the gadget mobile. Uh, John or Penny and Sykes show up, and Penny shows the cops all the the evidence of the foot, and we're all good there. And, and so Sykes they arrest. Confesses. Yep. Yep. And, and they arrest uh, Claw, and he yells out, "You know, I'll get you next time, Gadget." Next uh, time. Yes. I have a question. Uh, yeah. Yes. Another question, please. Um, what happened to Kramer? Um. Apparently, he got on Seinfeld. <laughs> I'm just saying, right? He's not in like ever since he passes out earlier in the movie. He's not in the rest of the movie. Andy Dick. That that is correct. <laughs> I, there are no answers. There are only more questions, Todd. I, I agree. Uh, and and the film ostensibly ends with with Brenda and Gadget kissing in front of his house and fireworks shooting out of his foot. Then the Gadget mobile goes off and, and chases a red VW bug. Do you get it? Because he fired a mistletoe. I didn't get it, and now I don't want to. <laughs> That's the joke, though. Yes, and Gadgetmobile chases after a Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah. And then we have, like, 16 more endings through the credits. We have Robo Brenda doing aerobics class. We have Headless Robo Gadget running around. We have Sykes at Minion Recovery Group. We have... But wait, Finally! Wait, wait. Finally! Yes, Todd? Okay, so, wait, wait, wait. Minion Recovery Group, right? Yeah. Okay, you have Mr. T, who is not a minion, by the way... I just no. want to say that. I was trying to figure that out. But it's, more, it's not really – it's just Minion Recovery Group. It's really more like sidekicks in some cases. Um, you have uh, a guy representing Tattoo from Fantasy Island who, by the way, is played by Bobby Bell, who is our Star Wars reference because he played an Ewok in Return of the Jedi. Well, there you go. Okay. Um, you have a guy with – you have the character being, being represented as Jaws from James Bond who is played by the actual guy who played – uh, Jaws from James Bond movies. Um, you have another character who is, the, who is the, from James Bond movies who is designed to look like Oddjob, right? But it's not actually the wrestler who played uh, who played Oddjob in the movies, whose name I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Tonto, and you have Igor also in that scene. So they, I think they put more thought into that scene than they did in the movie. I agree. There's a lot more going on in that scene than the rest of the movie. I agree. Uh, but then, then we get the actual Inspector Gadget cartoon nod because we have Penny with her little watch that she used to have in the cartoons talking to Brain, and Brain responds in Don Adams's voice, which is the original voice of Inspector Gadget. That part right there was the only part that was actually like from the cartoon. Yes. Well, in terms of Penny and Brain, yes. Yes. Um, then you have the Gadget Mobile for five minutes talking about his life. After the movie? <laughs> yes, which is bizarre. Yes, he mentions that he got married to the red Volkswagen Beetle that you saw at the end of the movie, and they got married at a drive through chapel. Right, get it? drive through chapel, their cars. Yes. Okay. Um, they're expecting a subcompact t- who they're thinking of calling the love bug, but don't think that's a Walt Disney Company reference, he says. Why? I don't Does know. Does he feel like this? Did they feel like this would be funny? I don't know. 
Uh, then he says, but I'm sure when it grows up, it will say I'm going to Disneyland. Okay. Then he asks everyone in the theater not to leave just yet because all the people watching the credits are making him look good. Yeah. Yeah. Then to be fair, Caravan Pictures ending is kind of cute because you have the what's normally the Caravan Pictures guy walking with the um, hobo sack over his shoulder off into the distance, and instead he puts that away and, it, and the, the gadget copter pops out of his head and he flies off. Yeah. And that's how the movie ends. The end. Finally. Finally. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say about this except it's bad. I don't, I don't hate it as much as you, obviously, but I recognize that it is not a good movie. I do question why I why we have it on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> I do question that one because I I question that as well, Cheryl. Because it's me and I like Inspector Gadget and I want to like the movie. <laughs> All right, so so let's let's start with the the ratings and I'll go first because why not end on a po- more positive note than mine? Uh, okay. because, because I'm giving this an unprecedented zero. There is no redeeming value to this. I cannot advise anyone to go see it. I just, I thought it was mean-spirited in points. I thought it's, it, it has really no connection to the cartoon. The acting performances are not very good. The gadget mobile is completely superfluous. Penny and Brain disappear. I mean, we've talked about all these things, but, like, I, I, I struggled hard to make it through this. Like, I really wanted to turn it off. <laughs> I knew I couldn't because we had to talk about it, but I really, like, I couldn't sit and watch it in one sitting. I, it took me three times stop, starting and stopping it to watch it. I cannot give this any points. Okay. Cheryl, what do you think? Um, I actually, you know... Second time through, okay, first time through, I'd say 2.5. Before doing this podcast, before talking about movies, before all that stuff, you know. So you mean way back in 1999 or whatever we saw it or whatever? Yes. Okay. Way back in 99, probably 2.5. Now, I'm, I'm going to one, they made a movie. <laughs> I hear you. Um... You know, I, I I get, and I, you know, again, there's two different levels of it. There's, and I think, and I know this is probably, I, the campiness of it, maybe I could go up to two for camp, I mean, to just, if we're just talking that, yes, there's an Inspector Gadget movie, and they did something with the cartoon before it died, you know, kind of a last send-off. Yes, they did it wrong. I'll agree with that. Yes. Um, so, but like I said, we've discussed it, and I really think it's a one. I mean, Chihuahua, and we joke about Chihuahuas, and we joke about all the you know bad movies out there. <laughs> this is definitely one of them. And I again, this is I like I have I can't go zero because I don't I won't go zero, but I'll go one. They may be. Yeah. All right. Todd, bring us home, sir. Yeah. Um, I'm also going with a one. I mean, you know, my feeling is is that perhaps chihuahuas and cows might have made this better. 
but doubtful. Yeah, I want to be clear to everybody, this is worse than either Beverly Hills Chihuahua movie in my mind. Just saying. Oh. I just, you know, talking... Real talking dog thing drives me nuts. Animated I'm fine with. That's not to say that those are good movies. No, I know. I know. It's just this is, you know, this could have been a lot better. It, it really could have. That, I think that's part of my disappointment. It's like it's so bad and it could have been good. Now, now, can I be honest, though? I mean, I know we're not really going to talk about it too much, but if if you want something that's more true to the actual animated series, the, the sequel movie is actually more true to the animated series. The sequel movie was not made by Disney, I don't believe, so. I don't know that it was or wasn't. I think it was a Disney direct release. But um, it's direct to DVD. It was never in the theaters or anything like that. But it's it also doesn't star anybody in this movie. No, DL comes back. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's it. It stars the car, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there you go. All right. So that will do it for this week's show on Inspector Gadget. Don't don't pick this up. Like normally, folks, we tell you just go go and check out the movie. Even if it's bad, there's some things you need to see. Don't. Just just don't. Okay, folks, so until next week, uh, make sure you keep in touch with us over at the website, DisneyFilmProject.com. You can uh, comment on the show notes for this uh, podcast, uh, and you can check out all the stuff that's going on with Inspector Gadget if you need to do that. Uh, you can also go over to Facebook.com and search for Disney Film Project and find us there, or you could go to at DizFilmProject on Twitter. And uh, in all of those places, make sure you uh, are continuing to submit ideas for upcoming films uh hopefully we will get out of uh inspector gadget and home on the range territory soon this is this is killing me i'm just telling you it's, it's hard work folks all right so uh until next week uh we will see you later a dashing appellation what is that a hillbilly with a tuxedo just claw one word like madonna Oh, touche, Inspector. I think someone has been watching way too many Saturday morning cartoons.